What? A fire? <laughs> no. Just trying to open a package of socks. Come on in. It's sleep or don't. Hey, what are you doing? Go get in bed. It's sleep or don't. I'm Mr. Vanilla Extract, the perfect ingredient for your bedtime routine. And your bedtime routine is starting right now. Let's kick it off. Cut out your caffeine as early as possible. Start dimming your lights two hours before you need to be asleep. Now maybe you're doing that two hours in bed, and maybe you're doing that two hours sitting on a chair reading a book or watching a little TV, scrolling a little bit on your phone, make sure that you're not overstimulating yourself. Don't do stressful things. You gotta step away from work two hours before bed. You gotta do it. If you wanna sleep good, we're gonna have a vacation tonight. Every night is a vacation if you care about sleep. Brush and floss as early as you can. That's my advice. Two reasons for that. Number one, that minty freshness should be regulated by the government. It's too fresh. It's too minty. It's a stimulant. It's an under or unregulated stimulant, depending on how you look at it. The other reason is it'll stop you from eating. And if you eat right before bed, you are not going to sleep well because your body's going to be working on digesting and not focused on sleep. you got to have your whole body focused on sleep. Now it's time to stuff your sorries in a sack. This is where we admit to ourselves, hopefully in front of a mirror, so you can say, Hey, buddy, I love you, to yourself. And then you can say, you know what's bugging me tonight? The thing that is bugging me is my expectations are maybe a bit too high. Got to be more realistic. That's what it is today. Got a little hotel notepad here. One of the last hotels that's still giving you a notepad and a pen. High expectations is what I'm going to write. I'm going to slide it under the door. So, <laughs> tonight somebody's going to be walking by my hotel room door and they're going to see a little note that says high expectations and they're going to be like, huh, wonder what's going on in there. But that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to not worry about those high expectations tonight. Yes, I have high expectations. Maybe I need to reevaluate them. I'm not going to have a whole internal conversation about that with myself. I'll do that tomorrow. I'll have plenty of time tomorrow. just need to make time for it. Time to be grateful. You know, I can say the same thing every night. I'm grateful for God. I'm grateful for my family. I called them abstract things last night. My family's abstract. What I meant was things that are not directly around me. Things that are, are not... <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, I, I can say that every night. You know, but tonight, uh, I'm grateful for good headphones. Good headphones 
help a person sleep. They really do. Sleep on a plane. Sometimes I'll pop them on in bed and just put them on my head and just do a little sensory deprivation. Good headphones. I'm grateful for that. And then we're going to narrow it down. You know what? I'm sitting on the bed here that I'm going to sleep in. There's a table over there, but I don't feel like I'm getting sleep ski unless I'm close to a comforter. I'm sitting on a comforter, and I tested the bed out. I tested the pillows. Five pillows on this tonight. One ornamental pillow. Four pillows that are head pillows, I guess is what you'd call them. And they look pretty great, and I'm grateful for that. And I think it's important that you do that. You say, man, I really like these sheets. I really like this comforter. I'm happy here. <sighs> now it's, uh, it's time to get sleepsky. We're going to move into the singing into some portion of the night. I'm going to tell you a quick story, specific story, and then it's going to get more abstract from there. The specific, the, <laughs> the specific story is this. Sangin into some, the origin of that. It's the bed not to sleep. That's what you can control. You're in the bed. You did it. You did all the things you need to do, and you play hard to get, right? You just sit there and enjoy the bed, and the sleep will be like, well, I, I want some attention. Here's the origin of that story. Lived in Tulsa, had three young kids, lived in kind of a, a rough neighborhood, on the edge of the rough neighborhood. We could hear gunshots nightly if we were outside, they were blocks away, but crime is micro-regional. We always felt reasonably safe. Occasionally, there'd be a car driving down the road, dragging a motorcycle that was leaking gas, and the sparks would light that gas on fire, and so there would be a, a, a gas fire line dragging behind the motorcycle that was dragged behind the car. But that was just a scorned lover, I'm, I'm assuming. They didn't mean any harm. So it was that kind of neighborhood. We really liked our neighbors. We got along with almost all of them. The ones that we didn't get along with, it wasn't because we didn't like each other. It's just we didn't talk to them, didn't know them very well. One night, hot summer night, I had just dozed off. This this was an era when I was up till 1.30, 27 out of 30 days a month. Just really anxious. We were very poor. I was on a graduate student salary making $15,000 a year, something ridiculous, trying to raise three kids on that. Wife wasn't working. Daycare was way too expensive for three kids. And... You know, food stamps or whatever. We're just doing whatever we can to make ends meet. And as I said, I'm an anxious person. I didn't get to bed till 1.30. And I don't know, about 3 o'clock in the morning, this blaring, 
house alarm goes off. Just blaring alarm. And I had just gotten into a real nice deep sleep and I jumped out of bed and I was not coherent. And my wife's like, what is that? I'm stumbling around the house trying to figure out where is that? Why do we have an alarm? We don't have an alarm. Of course, it was Tulsa, so we had one of those signs in our front yard that said we had an alarm. <laughs> I'm sure the the thieves and looters were completely fooled by every sign. Anyway, real I realized that it was the next door neighbor's alarm. We waited for a little while, and finally I was like, I, I'm going to go see. Maybe they're not home. Maybe they're being broken into. Because who believes an alarm is actually doing its job, right? I grabbed the baseball bat, and I went out the front door, stood on the porch for a second and listened and looked, and not much was happening. So I walked across the lawn, and our houses, they're just barely 10 feet apart. We had really long, narrow lots, and that meant the houses were real close together. On one side of us lived Nick, Nikki, and their dog, Nikita. They were great neighbors. On the other side of us, where the house alarm was going off, lived a young mother, and she she had four or five kids. She had lots of kids, and they were very young. The oldest was maybe seven or eight, maybe nine. And I went to the door. There was no car in the driveway, so I went to the door and just kind of peeked in. And when my eyes focused right, I realized that there were about ten eyes peeking back out at me. Their solid door was open and their storm door was closed. So I'm looking through a window at these scared looking kids. <laughs> and I said, is your mom home? And they didn't say anything. They just kind of looked scared at me. And I said, do you know how to turn the alarm off? And got to no, got a no from them. I said, do you want help? And they said yes, and they let me in. They showed me where the alarm was, although it was where the sound was coming from, so it was, it was pretty easy to find it. I tried the breakers. You know, alarms are not made for the robbers to turn them off real easily. So I tried and tried to figure out how to turn it off. They didn't know what the code was. Eventually it went off. In other words, it stopped, stopped blaring. And I said, let me know if you need anything. You know, are you kids okay? Their mom wasn't there. I don't know where she was. Maybe she ran to Walmart, but... I think she was probably out with friends or something and put the kids to bed. And single mother, it's it's a hard life. I'm sure she was just doing her best, but 
I went back home and my wife didn't say much. She just kind of rolled over and went to sleep. And I laid there and I worried, like I do, about the kids and what should I do and... Is this a, you know, a symptom of a long-term problem? Do I need to call Child Protective Services? Would that be the exact wrong thing to do? And my mind ran for about an hour. And I was like, oh, what time is it? Oh, man, I've got to get to sleep. I've got a busy day ahead of me. And... <laughs> I'm like, how am I going to get to sleep? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling guilty. I've, I've already had one of those adrenaline jo jolts awake. And I'm feeling anxious because I'm like, should I do something? Am I going to regret not doing something? Is doing something the exact wrong thing? Googling it. Didn't have a smartphone, so I'd get up, open up the laptop, Google lay back down, think of another thing to Google, get up, open up the laptop, back and forth, back and forth. And finally I said, I just, I got to stop. I got to, I have to sleep. So I laid down in bed and I don't have a terrible time getting back to sleep unless there's something provoking me like, like that night since then, I've gotten a lot worse at getting back to sleep. <laughs> but for whatever reason, you know, I, I sleep on my side, and I was in the sleeping position in my side with a hand under my pillow and arm at my side and pillow between my knees and knees slightly bent. Now you know exactly how I sleep. <laughs> and... I just kind of had this weird thought where I was like, you know what? I might not get back to sleep, but I'm not going to sit here and squint and be anxious about it. I've already been anxious about three different things tonight. I'm just going to enjoy this bed. Laid rolled over to my back and stretched my legs out and pointed my toes and Stretched my feet, stretched my arms, and got in a comfortable position. Not a sleep position, but just a comfortable hanging out in bed position. And, you know, I have I, I, my grandpa, my mother's father, he was really good at just... I, he had pluck, if you will. He just, something bad would happen and it'd take him five seconds and he'd be kind of chipper again. And he just, he just kind of always had a good attitude. And I don't know, he was a good example for that. And I channeled that, I guess. I just said, you know what? This is great. I don't have to do any work right now. This is my sleep time. I don't have my kids coming in and 
bugging me. This is me time. This is actually quite relaxing. This is wonderful. I really love this. And I was just kind of giving myself kind of an upbeat pep talk and woke up. It's time to get out of bed. I thought to myself, my gosh, that worked really well. And the alarm thing happened a couple more times that summer. And I also woke up in the middle of the night. Maybe it was a kid that woke me up or whatever. And I just, every time I woke up in the middle of the night, I would do that. I'd be like, man, this is great. I am so comfortable. I am so happy. And a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months later, I was having a little get-together with some of our friends in town. And I was telling my buddy about this. And I said, you know, it's the best thing in the world to get back to sleep. At the time, it didn't occur to me that I could do that as I was trying to fall asleep for the first time. But getting back to sleep, it was like a magic, it was like a magic spell. And I'm telling him about it. And he said, well, what do you call your system? You got to name it. And I said, singing into some, which means, say it with me, it's the bed, not the sleep. And I don't know why I said that. I speak Swedish, albeit poorly, and I invented the term. And I just thought, I like that, singing into some. Giving a name to something gives it power, for better or for worse. If you give a name to something good, you give something good power. And giving it a name made it even more powerful for me. So that's the story of singing into some. I hope that wasn't too interesting. We're going to get real boring now. I'm going to take you on a journey to Houston. <laughs> I'm in Houston tonight. I've been to Houston a few times. I do not like this city. But I am going to see if I can find some redeeming qualities of this city. I know people who have lived here, and they've told me it's great. But there's it's a gigantic city with confusing roads and highways and seems noisy and hot and sticky and sometimes a bit stinky what do I like about it what should I now everybody probably agrees that the weather in February it's February I'm here weather's great not too hot not too cold nice and humid feels like a a warm blanket on you. Here's the nicknames of Houston. Bayou City. Space City. H-Town. The 713. 
It's a global city. It's got 2.3 million people. But the metro area is huge, right? Houston metro population. Population. <laughs> Houston metro population. is what? I thought it was like 6 million or something crazy. 7 million. Houston metro population, 7.1 million. So yeah, it's, it's a giant city. And Google says, is Houston metro bigger than Dallas? I guess this is a common question. The answer is yes. Dallas is smaller. Houston's 186 years old. I might have to Google best thing to do in Houston. Because as I'm scrolling through this, here's the geology. It's flat, marshy. <laughs> when you hear geology, you don't think flat, marshy, right? Underpinning Houston's land surface are unconsolidated clays, clay shales, and poorly cemented sands up to several miles deep. This is probably why it's good for pulling oil out of the ground, right? It's easy, easy to break through. I don't know. Regions geology developed from river deposits formed from the erosion of the Rocky Mountains. Sands and clays. Cityscape, gigantic. This is a gigantic city, in case you didn't know. And if you come here and you miss that exit, it may be an extra 30 minutes to figure out how to get back to where you wanted to go. Oh, maybe I invented that sentence. Here's the Nils Esperson building. It was the tallest building from 1927 to 1929. Here's the climate. Yeah, it's warm. <laughs> All right, best things to do in Houston. Are you ready? 15 best things to do in Houston, TripAdvisor. Now keep in mind that TripAdvisor really only promotes things that you have to pay for because it, it really is just an advertising site. Sightseeing tour, food walking tour, Houston Museum of Natural Science. So it's got some museums. ATV rentals, uh, self-guided tours, top attractions. Space Center, Houston. Minute Maid Park. I think maybe watching the Astros is, is would be the number one thing that I would come here for. They've got the Cockrell, the Cockrell Butterfly Center, which looks like a real gas. I'm not saying that jokingly. I, I'm a sucker for a butterfly center. 
Yeah, they got butterflies in there. I, I got pictures of it. Holocaust Museum, Houston. Got some history. Battleship Texas State Historic Site. And there's a battleship in in some river or some bay here. The Strand. That's Galveston. Galveston Island. Yeah. I don't know if you're sitting here in Houston. Let me know what there is to do. Here's a Reddit New to Houston, what should I do? Manil Collection. The whole museum district is dope. The dope district. NASA Museum. The Art Car Parade. Beer Can House. La Carafe. These are all things that people have written down. They sound pretty exciting. We're going to try the beer can house. Let's look at a picture of that. I'll describe it to you perfectly. Don't worry. Okay. What it looks like is somebody might have tied a bunch of beer cans together with some string and dangled it almost like curtains is what I'm seeing that's not what I pictured I thought it would be like mm, I'm not sure what I thought it would be like I thought there'd be beer cans stacked up and you know not scotch taped but somehow affixed to the bricks Buzz summer intern Maddie Payne holds up some of the different kinds of beer can curtain pieces. Well, they call it beer can curtains. Yeah, this house looks fun, though. We better swing by. It looks like there's some bottles, too. Oh, and it is just a house. Just a house in the woods. It's not in the woods. All right. Let's look at La Carafe. Oh man, doesn't this want you to travel to Houston? So far I've found... I don't know what people do. There, I'm sure there are tons of restaurants. Seems like warm weather and restaurants is about, in, uh, about everything anybody ever wants anymore. Let's look at the largest tree. Let's get weird here. Largest tree... In Houston. Houston's oldest tree. Oh, this sounds interesting. How Houston's oldest tree pop up. <laughs> pop up. Wow, that tree looks awesome. Located near the corner of Bagby and Capitol Street in downtown Houston, a massive 400-year-old tree. Oak tree. Believed to be the city's longest surviving tree. You know, the other night I was talking about a 500-year-old shark. 
What would you rather be, a 500-year-old shark or a 400-year-old tree? I think even though I love trees and I think it would be awesome to be a majestic tree, trees can't move. And, you know, whole weeks might go by without nobody walking by, without anybody walking by. Maybe some squirrels. Maybe that would be nice. I don't know with the shark, though. Can you imagine if you were a shark and you lived 500 years? You, you know, eventually you'd be like, I'm going to swim around and I'm going to see some sights. I'm going to go on vacation. A shark vacation, that's... That's a pretty cool vacation because I'm pretty sure that you can take two weeks off and nobody calls you and says, you need to get back to the plant, Victor. Victor's a good shark name. Victor, get back to the plant. We've got to do an overhaul of some of this equipment. We've got some sea salt rust on some of the gears we gotta have you in here with a toothbrush a shark toothbrush get it a shark toothbrush that'd be pretty fun no but victor i mean he probably took a he probably took a five-year vacation right you're 500 years old a five-year vacation is no big deal. You just sneak off and you go visit somewhere tropical. Maybe if you're an, an, an Arctic shark, an Iceland shark, you don't want to do that. Too much oxygen in the water would be the problem? I don't know. But I would, I would at least go exploring. I don't know what kind of variety you see underwater, but I gotta assume topographically, water graphically under there, there's a lot of variation. There are cliffs and canyons and all kinds of things down there. Shark vacation. Let's go on a shark vacation together.